Hey there, Buffalo Bills fans. Welcome back to Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast here on buffalorumblings.com and everywhere else you go to get your fine Bills-related podcasts. My name is John Boccasino, being joined, as I always am, by Jamie D'Amico here on the podcast. Want to wish you and yours a happy belated Thanksgiving. Jamie, hope you had a great holiday celebrating and uh, watching those Bills eke out a win that was much closer than it should have been. A great holiday. As a matter of fact, I got to watch two consecutive games up in Rochester, New York with my family, which was quite a treat. Living here in Washington, D.C., I have managed to surround myself with a lot of Buffalo Bills fans, but it's different. It's different when you're up in the ROC and you leave the house and you see people wearing Bill's gear. So let me let me give you an example. It was Friday night and I went to see a band that I go to see every Thanksgiving when I'm back in Rochester. It's a Talking Heads tribute band called Start Making Sense. They're fantastic. Like I highly recommend going to see them when when they come back through town. And I turned and looked over my shoulder to sort of see what the crowd looked like. You know, it was filing in. And there was a woman standing behind me wearing a buffalo, a, a winter hat with the pom-pom on top. And it had a Buffalo Bills logo on it. And I did this double take. And I almost turned and was like, hey, you're a Bills fan? And then I had to remember where I was. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> so I didn't we are do not the that Go Bills. uncommon. <laughs> yeah, I didn't do the Go Bills in this case because, like, if you did it when you're in Rochester or Buffalo or anywhere in Western New York, that's all you would do when you leave the house. But here in DC, you damn well better believe I say it every time I see a Bills logo. I'm glad you didn't encounter a, uh, a psycho killer or have to uh, <laughs> describe, uh, you know, how your life was during wartime while seeing start making sense. And I will echo Jamie's sentiments. I have too seen that cover band uh, perform. Uh, I saw them at Easton Alexander. Um, this might have been a couple of years ago during the springtime, but that's so cool to know they come up during the Thanksgiving. Uh, I know people love to rag on the talking heads as being a, a college band and you know they i mean that's how i was introduced to them when i was in college but that doesn't mean that they lose their appeal or their value the older in life you get well let's okay we have to explore this now this is one of the bands that made cbgb's the hub of american punk music what it was this this is a band that was there with blondie with the ramones with countless other bands that formed a scene that we're probably never going to see again. And people are maligning them. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> You've never heard that, that people say that, uh, you know, you outgrow the talking heads once you graduate uh, from your institution of higher education. No. I find that nonsense. No, and no, I've never heard that. And now I'm, now I'm upset. You see what you've done to me, John? Happy Thanksgiving, buddy. <laughs> I, I think Jamie's going to return after the podcast and think to himself, how did I get here as he burns down his house and <laughs> takes the road to nowhere and, uh, you know, again, well celebrates the fact that he found a job. You know, I mean, there's there's a ton of places you can go with your cities and and really it's 
I, I, I love the talking head. So Jamie, you and I could sit here and talk David Byrne. And by the way, if you haven't had a chance to see American Utopia or one of uh, David Byrne's solo uh, shows where he blends a lot of his new music with the Talking Heads classics. Highly recommend that too. Hey, did you catch him at the Eastman Theater with St. Vincent? I did. That was probably one of the top five shows I've seen in my life uh, as far as energy and dynamic performances and people that you see on stage and you're like, how are they going to mesh? Oh my God, they have great chemistry. <laughs> Yeah, I, I didn't see that. My brother was there, and I've since watched it on YouTube. And I am telling you, if you're a music fan, look up St. Vincent with David Byrne. It's the two of them on stage with a brass band, and it is unbelievable. St. Vincent, she's so talented. It won't be a weekend in the dust, Jamie, if you get to go out there and see the two of them. Perform. Oh, my they God, you're so good at these. <laughs> I've had a little practice, buddy. <laughs> this, this, this Talking Head St. Vincent podcast brought to you by the Buffalo Rumblings family of podcasts. Believe it or not, we are here talking Buffalo Bills football, despite our love for David Byrne and the Talking Heads. And, you know, Jamie, it's um, there, it's really hard to believe, but we have to get ready for another Bills game. You know, this has been such an abnormal schedule with the snowstorm uh, making Buffalo go to Detroit and uh, and play two Bills games in five days at Ford Field. Uh, the Bills have more wins in Detroit than the Lions do this year. But there's some question marks now about this team as we transition to week 13, another Thursday night game. The Bills will be in Foxborough taking on Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots, and they're going to be doing it without Von Miller. Um, it is still uncertain the severity of the injury. I've been reading a lot about this um, where they're thinking this is similar to the situation in 2013 where he played with a brace uh, on his knee. Uh, it's not an ACL tear this time, um, but if Miller apparently feels comfortable with how his body responds, uh, he has no problems apparently playing uh, with that knee brace, which is much better than the alternative of having an ACL or an MCL tear and being sidelined for the rest of the year. But what the hell is with the Bills suffering these cataclysmic and catastrophic injuries on Thanksgiving games? <sighs> I know, I know. And a topic that you and I have discussed from time to time through the years is that the Bills have been, since we've done this podcast together, have been unbelievably, unnaturally healthy. Like The Bills have been one of the least injured teams in the NFL for the last three years, going on four years. And we kept saying, we kept using one phrase, eventually they're going to regress to the mean. Regressing to the mean means there's a certain number of injuries you can expect every year. And eventually they're going to start having an expected number of injuries. Unfortunately, it seems like they're overshooting those injuries. And I mean, we saw it with Trey. It's taking him injured last year on uh, on Thanksgiving, a non-contact injury, and it's taking him a year to get back on his feet. You were hoping and praying when you saw Von Miller go down that the same thing wasn't going to be the case. But here we are. The Bills are regressing toward the mean. They are missing games at an alarming clip, and it's really affecting the outlook of this team going forward. You know, to win, to win it all, you have obviously have to have talent, but you've got to have luck and you've got to have health on your sides. And right now the bills are struggling in that department. Just look at 
<clears throat> look at how the offensive line struggled to give any sort of pass protection when Mitch Morse had been ruled out for mm-hmm. the game. Now, Ryan Rick Bates did a decent job filling in, but the trickle-down effect of taking away one of your starting guards, plugging him at center and having Greg Van Roten get 100% of the snaps um, to step in at the guard spot, then there's a trickle-down effect, and it's really impacting every part of this team. Luckily, uh, the Bills had A.J. Klein they could call on to step up for Tremaine Edmonds, uh, who missed another game with that groin injury. Uh, and Mitch Morris has the ankle ailment and Greg Rousseau also has an ankle injury with Von Miller being down. The bills are now precariously thin in the edge rusher position and the pass rusher rusher positions. Jamie, it seems like it's going to be a lot um, for this team to overcome. Thankfully though, with eight wins in hand, you know, the bills at least are not in a position like they were last year where they were seven and six and and, and now granted, I'm saying that the Bills need to win all their AFC East games starting with Thursdays, but at least the Bills did themselves a little favor by winning those early games so that the rest of this team can have the next man up mentality and not be like, oh gosh, we have to win out. Otherwise, the team's going to miss the playoffs. Their playoff hopes still look good, but the chances of winning the division are going to be tricky with all of these injuries piling up. And again, starting with Von Miller, I will say, Jamie, I don't feel as bad about his injury now as I did in the moment, uh, watching him crumple to the turf, uh, watching him go under the blue tent, uh, for a prolonged period of time, your mind wanders. You think it's an ACL, you think it's an MCL, you think it's a worst case scenario. So at least we can be thankful that it's not an ACL tear. Um, and, and like I said, Von Miller has said, that this is the same type of injury he believes he suffered in 2013 when the Broncos won the Super Bowl. So that's not a bad omen. They won the Super Bowl, but look at his stats from that year. 34 tackles, five sacks. That is not a Von Miller kind of season. The season before that, 18 and a half sacks. The season following that, 14 So that tells me that while he was able to be on the field, he was not his Von Miller self. And that's a concern for me. Oh, absolutely. And it's going to be paramount that uh, Ed Oliver, who was a one-man wrecking machine against the Lions on Thanksgiving, he needs to get on his horse and and find himself... Uh, you know, love all those social media images of Ed riding a horse around downtown Buffalo or Orchard Park. Uh, he's he's got to get on his his horse and, uh, and and provide the pass rush that this team needs. And hopefully the Bills are able to get uh, Greg Rousseau uh, back any time now, because really he is the guy who was up and coming. Um, and the fact that he is now listed as being day-to-day and improving, that's got to be confidence building for the team to think that you will get Russo back. Maybe not for New England with the quick turnaround, but certainly for the pivotal Jets game in week uh, 14. Yes, and really it has to be all hands on deck right now because the Bills are 0-2 in their division. They need to run the table if they have any hopes of winning winning the division. They've they've got to run the table. They will, they will be in such bad shape with tiebreakers that it it just adding losses and losing out on tiebreakers right now is really going to set the Bills back. And we're talking about a team that was 
the odds on favor to go to the Super Bowl. And I am not a person to blame injuries for anything. But if you're being realistic, when you start removing all pros and pro bowlers, the team is not going to be the same. Just look at the defense right now. This went from a dominant run defense and dominant. I mean, they were the number one overall defense, but you start taking starters out and plugging in backups. You're going to lose some quality. Otherwise those backups would have already been starters, right? So the team isn't playing as well. They need to start pulling some rabbits out of hats. Well, and it's interesting when it comes to, I think we got a really good glimpse into what this Bills defense might be like without Von Miller. Did you notice how when the Bills took on the Lions, uh, once Miller went down, Leslie Frazier did something he very rarely does as defensive coordinator. He brought the blitz. Mm -hmm. He blitzed Jared Goff on almost 44% of his dropbacks, which, yes, left Dane Jackson on an island. And uh, St. Brown absolutely torched him on the outside for, I believe, 122 receiving yards and nine catches, something gaudy like that. I mean, as as good of a game as Kyrie Elam had on one side, the blitz did make Dane Jackson more vulnerable on the outside. But hopefully the Bills were able to continue easing Trey White back in, who I know he only played 15 snaps on the first two series, but that's fine. Like, I'm fine with the Bills being very cautious with Trey White because they, with everyone that's gone down around him, you need him to be there for the stretch run. So if he only plays 30 snaps on Thursday night football, I'm still fine with that as they work him back into the rotation because the Bills have to be careful with their superstars, given what's happened to everyone else around them. And one of the things that people are not keeping in mind is that it takes about a year for an ACL tear to recover to the point where you can get back on the field. But players aren't really 100% for 18 months after the injury. It takes a long time to get back that strength, that, that twitchiness, the reaction time, and really the confidence in your knee. I I think taking it slow is a good idea because the last thing you want him to do is to try to overexert himself by trying to be the player he was before the injury, before he has been rehabbed to 100% of where he was. The last thing you want is your brain to be ahead of your body because that's how more injuries happen. Amen to that. That's exactly, that's a great summation of what is happening. And that's also why, I feel like all this talk about uh, we're hopping all over the place here on believe and we will get to a a brief Patriots preview as well. But there was so much to digest from Thanksgiving in addition to all the tasty food that we had after the bills picked up their victory. I've just got to say, I've got to interrupt you here. You are using like the best puns I have ever heard in in one episode. (laughs) Like you are, you are nailing it in almost every sentence and don't think it's going unnoticed. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. I've got the gift of gab here on on this week. Mo- maybe more so than others. I've gotten more rest. I feel in a good place after the holidays. And I guess, again, the good news of Von Miller not having the ACL tear uh, makes me feel a little bit more optimistic about this team. You know, as the team moves forward, it's just it's so unfortunate that the Bills are having to deal, you know, with these injuries. But football is such a savage game that it really should make you be more thankful for what Buffalo has gone through with the great health the last three years. Unfortunately, all their chips are 
kind of getting cashed in, you know, right now. But Jamie, this is one of the reasons I honestly, as much as the Von Miller um, loss will hurt the pass rush uh, going after the quarterback, the Bills have the depth. I mean, this there's a reason they drafted Boogie Basham and AJ Epinesa and Greg Rousseau. There's a reason they're bringing up Mike Love. Um, there's a reason they're bringing back these familiar faces. They brought back, I mean, Shaq Lawson stepped up and had a solid game against the Lions. You know, the Bills have the bodies on the defensive line where they're not going to replicate Miller's productivity, but at least they'll have the talent there to close the gap. The same cannot be said on the offensive line with Deion Dawkins and Mitch Morris both missing time uh, last week. I am legitimately now concerned about this offensive line and their ability to, you know, the pass protection was mediocre at best against the Lions. Luckily, Devin Singletary brought it when it came to the running game. But you've got all these question marks on the O-line. And oh, by the way, who do the Bills have coming up on Thursday? A guy named Matthew Judon, who is one of Mm -hmm. the best pass rushers and edge rushers in the NFL, they are going to have their hands full with this 3-4 defense that the Patriots like to run out there. This is a challenging game, Jamie. As much as the Patriots' record is down at 6-5, and five, they gave the Vikings everything they could handle on Sunday, on, on Thursday night football, on Thanksgiving, and that this defense is more than capable. How concerned are you about the offensive line heading into this showdown? Very, because the offensive line hasn't been great even at 100%. The two lowest rated players, according to Joe Buscalia of The Athletic, on the Buffalo Bills roster are Roger Saffold and Ryan Bates. Now you take Ryan Bates out of his natural position, you put him at center, and then you bring in a backup, Greg Van Roten. That's bad. This is a guy who couldn't beat out one of the lowest rated players on the team. And that's why he's a backup. And then if Deion Dawkins can't make it into the game, you've got to put David Questenberry, who's never really been much of a left tackle and has been, for all intents and purposes, a journeyman in his career. Now you have a very weak offensive line. You have a drought era quality offensive line. Remember back in the day when every other snap looked like a jailbreak by the defensive line and Bill's blockers were like laying on the ground watching them go well geez you're going to see a whole lot of buffalo bills offensive linemen chasing the guy that they were supposed to have uh caught at the line of scrimmage that isn't good i i couldn't be more concerned than i am right now because we knew we knew going into the season offensive line depth was going to be a problem if the injury bug hit here we are this is a big problem. And with Josh Allen, who has not been himself since injuring his elbow, now you're going to going to throw in the element of making him run even more often. Ooh, this is a recipe for a disaster. I, I hear you. And I'm definitely concerned about that. I think one way, though, that Jamie, the Bills can counter uh, and they're going to have to counter Ken Dorsey. This is really a, an interesting stretch for Buffalo's offensive coordinator. He has to put Josh Allen in a position to succeed. And, and I think Josh, you know, he didn't have a lot of early, easy throws early on versus the lions. Um, he, he did a better job. I thought of adjusting in the second half uh, and, and taking more of what Detroit gave him. 
Again, what a beautiful rocket that was to Stefan Diggs, oh, yeah. you know, 41 yards downfield, setting up the, the game winner by Tyler Bass to give Buffalo a victory. But Jamie, what do you think about this? I think this week, starting this week, Dorsey really needs to adopt this mentality when it comes to the offense. Yes, you want to get the run game going, but it's going to be a lot harder with those question marks on the offensive line. Draws can be your friend and quick passes to the backs out of the backfield, especially again with a banged up wide receiver room. I think that's going to have to be a script that Dorsey follows because you can't have Josh. He's not going to have time. He's not going to have more than two seconds to get rid of the ball with these injuries mounting on the O-line. I feel like you almost need to use the screen game and the short passes as your substitute running game, given the fact that you don't have anyone up front that can match up with the Patriots pass rushers. You're 100% right. And the other side of it is that they need to do something that they were doing in the second half of that game against Detroit, the misdirection the jet sweep option, get the linebackers flowing in the wrong direction. They relied on that heavily last year. Haven't been doing much of it this year. They need to rediscover it. And it's 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 going to be a game of smoke and mirrors. It's not going to be our best guys against your best guys and find out who wins. It's they're going to it's a situation where they're going to have to scheme themselves into a win here. I think they can do it. But you know what? Interesting stat. No first-year offensive coordinator has ever won a Super Bowl. That tells me that there's quite a learning curve, and I think we're seeing it as the year goes on with Ken Dorsey. Hopefully, that learning curve is a little steeper going into this week, and he can figure it out. That's an interesting uh, factoid that I did not know that no first-year OC has uh, has ever won the Super Bowl. I can also tell you that this is a stat that'll, you know, is kind of ridiculous, but um no quarterback has led the league in interceptions and won the Super Bowl since Matthew Stafford did it last year. People are <laughs> all up in arms over Josh Allen making the interceptions. I will say the one that happened against the Lions was a tipped ball. I'm not going right. to put all of that on Josh Allen, but I found it fascinating um, that I feel like Josh Allen is getting healthier and he's getting better uh, under center. Uh, and you heard a lot of that from Tony Romo uh, on the game broadcast where he was saying with an injury like what Josh suffered against the Jets, it's obviously going to take time, but he's getting healthier. He's getting stronger. And I think you've seen a correlating uh, impact and effect on that where his performances have trending have been trending in the right direction Again, there's still been some bad throws here and there, but when the game's on the line, I mean, look at that 23-second drive that he engineered Mm -hmm. to win the game. And the Lions were playing for everything. You know, I mean, their season's lost, but that's a scrappy team that fights hard. And I think we're going to see Josh Allen get better and better as the weeks progress, which is really paramount for success, given how he's losing bodies left and right. At least he's still got his pro bowler, Stephon Diggs. Isaiah McKenzie had a great game. Uh, I thought both in pass catching, uh, he ran a couple of little jet sweep counters uh, that were effective and kept the defense off balance. And oh, by the way, this is the return to the scene of the crime where Isaiah McKenzie had his massive game against the, the Patriots last year in Foxborough. So game on. Right, right. And I'm glad you brought up that 23 seconds because my observation has been that Josh Allen has been in his head. and. 
when you have a situation where you're trying to drive downfield quickly, you don't have time to be in your head. You can't you can't have second thoughts about where you're going to go with the ball. You have to make your read and get rid of it. And that almost seemed like it was exactly what Josh needed to stop thinking and start just reacting. And I'm hoping that this is something that he can move forward with against the Patriots. And the other thing is, yes, the offensive line is probably going to suck this upcoming game. I'm sorry to say it, just trying to be real here. But but when Josh Allen is running around with the ball, he's good because he's reacting. He's not thinking. Get out of your head. Get into the game. And boom, Josh Allen becomes Josh Allen again. I like that analogy, Jamie. It's almost like Josh, when he plays not like the guy who puts all the pressure on himself, which he's admitted he's put way too much pressure on himself to make big plays the last couple of weeks. But when he Mm -hmm. plays like a kid in the playground who's improvising and just seeing what's in front of him versus overthinking, he's a much more naturally talented and productive passer. And this is going to be a big challenge uh, for him on Thursday night with, again, the offensive line being in disarray. We're not sure yet Deion Dawkins' status or Mitch Morse's status, but the Patriots can be scored upon. And, And as good as their pass rush can be, Kirk Cousins, who is not good in primetime, lit them up for 33 points in the win on Thanksgiving. So I feel like Josh is going to have opportunities to take advantage of what the Patriots are showing him. And you know he's going to get up for this game against New England because, hello, the last time these two teams met, he played a perfect game of football along with the rest of the Bills in that 47-17 to wild card win at frigid Highmark Stadium in in January. This is going to be a good barometer, a good litmus test for where this offense stands and what Ken Dorsey is able to do against the the, the legend himself, Bill Belichick, who is great at neutralizing your strengths. How do you see Buffalo attacking? Uh, I know we mentioned the quick passes and the pressure um, that Josh is going to be under from guys like Matthew Judon and Dietrich Wise, who is a really good uh, pass rusher as well. He's actually been a better uh, win rate pass rusher, Wise has, than Judon. But Judon gets all the attention with his 13 sacks that leads the league. So how do you see um, the Bills trying to counter what Belichick is going to throw at them? Well, I think I kind of got into it as much as I really can. I, I think that the Bills are going to have to use a lot of uh, a, a lot of motion and a lot of a lot of trickery. Um, they're going to have to get the jet sweeps going. They're going to have to they're going to have to get the defense flowing one direction and make them go another one. The uh, I, I think that you're probably going to see a couple of trick plays in there. Uh, the draws, like you mentioned, it's going to be all about making the defense take false steps and then going the other direction with it. And I think, Jamie, though, of all the opponents that the Bills are going to play, this is a good matchup for them because I feel like the wide receivers out top will have the edge over the Patriots cornerbacks. I mean, I like Kyle Duggar manning the strong safety oh, position. Great. Devin McCourty. Oh, Duggar is phenomenal out of that little division three school um, that he came out of when he was drafted a couple years ago. Um, I'm not at all worried about Jonathan Jones or Jalen Mills at the cornerback slot. They're good corners who can be beat. And when you see the step forward uh, that both Diggs and Gabe Davis, even though Gabe still struggles with the drops, 
I think with Josh Allen rounding more and more into form, the Bills will be able to pass uh, on the Patriots secondary. And by the way, one of the ways I want to give Ken Dorsey some credit when the Bills were struggling with those injuries happening on the offensive line, you saw a really solid performance out of Dawson Knox staying back to help as an extra Mm -hmm. blocker. Now that takes away from the weapons that Josh has offensively to throw to, but it also really helps. I feel like solidify this offensive line uh, when you're facing talented edge rushers like wise and Judon, because Knox is a very underrated blocker. So you might see the bills go more with two tight end sets to counter some of those uh, big personnel that the Patriots are going to throw at Buffalo's way. Yeah, I think that that has been really helpful to Josh Allen because it's difficult when a tight end sneaks out after the fact. The defense usually lets that guy go, so to speak. Uh, the defender, which oftentimes is a linebacker, will see the tight end stay in and will drop back into their zone, which then gives Dawson Knox room to run over to the sideline. And it's pretty much a given that he's going to get about eight yards on, on those plays. And that's the kind of thing sneaking people out of blocking assignments is something that the Rams have been successful with through the years under uh, McVay and other, other teams are beginning to catch on. And I'm really happy to see that the bills are getting involved with that. That's a good point to bring out there of the guys kind of leaking out, they hold back for their block and then slip into the flat or do a little curl or an angle route. Uh, the opportunities are going to be there. I like your creative play calling when it comes to the Bills attacking uh, the Patriots defense here. I think that that's something where even though you know the, the Patriots have a really stout defense, they did just get torched again for 33 points on Thursday night uh, in the loss to the Minnesota Vikings. It's The Bills are going to have to score points in this one um, for sure because – it's you, you obviously, you know, you're on the road. Um, the Patriots have a great defense. And if Josh can hang, you know, 25 to 28 points, at least I feel pretty good about their chances. And by the way, uh, our favorite topic here on this podcast, underperforming quarterbacks, McCorkle Jones, Mac Jones had a great game for himself against the Vikings on Thursday night, but it's an anomaly, Jamie. I mean, really, like, I don't think that's the um, the quarterback that the Patriots really have is what they saw against the Vikings. I feel like he Mac Jones is a, a poor man's game manager. Um, I don't think he's you know, he did complete 28 of 39 passes um, and had a phenomenal performance against the Vikings, but I think the bills have his number when it comes to, to shutting him down. He has not been able to succeed against Leslie Frazier's defense. And what, what are your thoughts on uh, what the bills need to do to contain um, the, the two headed running back monster of Ramondre Stevenson, Damian Harris, and uh, whether Mac Jones can beat Buffalo or whether uh, they're going to have to turn to other ways to get a downfield on this defense. Well, first of all, I think you're too hard on Mac Jones, honestly. I, I think that the guy is better than he's given credit for. And there's quarterbacks in the NFL that take a lot of flack. And I think unnecessarily, I think Kirk Cousins is not a world beater, but he's not a bad player. And I think that Mac Jones falls into that as well, because if you take a look at what he did, yes, you you were upfront in saying that he had a good game 
against uh, against Minnesota when she put up 382 yards and two touchdowns. The guy's not having a bad season. He's completing 69% of his passes this year. That's not bad. Okay, yes, he has seven INTs versus only six touchdowns. But that's not really their game. They're, they are trying to be a running team. And with Ramondre Stevens running as hard as he has been lately, you know, I think... I think Mac Jones is doing everything you want from somebody who is a young guy who's not the most talented, but is a guy who you can figure out how to win games with. Not the most accurate, but he doesn't make terrible mistakes the majority of the time. And I think that in order to in order to get the most out of your defense against Mac Jones, you have to do what you do best, which is on the back end you scheme things into place that the quarterback just doesn't see coming. Lots of trap zones, mixing up the man and the and the zone defense, uh, dropping. You've seen it recently. Uh, the last game, the Bills have been dropping a lot of defensive linemen into coverage with their zone blitzes and stuff like that. Those are the things that you have to do with a Mac Jones and hope that on any given play, you're throwing something at him that he isn't recognizing. I feel like one of the areas with Mac Jones too, where he can be got and it hurts not having Von Miller, but he's playing behind a suspect offensive line. That's allowing him to get sacked quite a bit. He's getting sacked an average of three and a half times per game. He's also more, he's much more, he's not going to take downfield shots very often to Jacoby Myers and the rest of his receivers. He's averaging over 7.6 yards per pass attempt, which is far below uh, the league average. Uh, And again, only having six passing touchdowns in eight games. You know, I know that the Patriots rely heavily on their running back punch. And with Damian Harris back, he's going to complement what Stevenson does. They're both averaging more than 4.6 yards per carry. But I feel like even with a depleted defense, this is a good week for the Bills to potentially not have Von Miller, because I think the rest of the talent around that defense can step up. And I I mean, imagine if the Bills were playing Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs this week, or they were taking on Tua and the Dolphins this week. I think it's actually a fortuitous break that Buffalo has the Patriots and then the Mike White led New York Jets uh, the following week to figure out what life without Von Miller uh, might be like and how to strategize and game plan. And this is a good way to put those theories to practice and see what the bills can do on Thursday night. I would have to agree with that. If the bills can figure out how to stop the run and make, make the Patriots one dimensional and the Patriots aren't going to allow that let's, let's face it. But if they can stop the run, they stand a chance to really shut, shut them down. Um, Tremaine Edmonds being out is a much bigger issue than I expected it to be. It's really hurting in the uh, in the passing department, but I have to say, AJ Klein plays the run well, and they may not miss him as much if Klein can be on the field. Yeah, I think Klein's emergence last week over Tyrell Dodson, which was a great roster move yes. you know, for the Bills to, to put him in the starting lineup because he played a phenomenal performance, as of course did Matt Milano. 
I, I hope Tremaine Edmonds is back. They're saying he's improving. Uh, they're saying McDermott said that Mitch Morse, Russo, AJ Epinesa, and Tremaine Edmonds are all quote improving, and they're all day by day for whether they will play on Thursday night football versus the New England Patriots. But again, the run defense is going to have to step up in a big time way, unlike what they did in the regular season loss to the Patriots last year on Monday night football and that gale force performance up in the Buffalo area on Monday night. I think the bills will have the edge when it comes to containing Mac Jones and the passing game, uh, the run defense. If you're able to get Edmonds back out there with Milano and then you can rotate Klein in as needed. I like that look for Buffalo's defense close uh, clamping down on the Patriots ground game. Jamie, anything else you want to get to uh, about this matchup? Um, This is, again, the first of uh, Buffalo has four more AFC East games coming up. Uh, They have the next three against teams in the AFC East with the Patriots, Jets, and Dolphins. This is a huge stretch run for Buffalo that wants to win their third straight AFC East championship. What else concerns you or what else do you want to talk about for the preview or do you want to get into the score prediction? Well, there's one thing that is steadfast in my mind, which is wondering how badly Bill Belichick wants this game. The last time we saw them, it was one of the most dominant performances we've ever seen the Buffalo Bills have. And the most Bill Belichick has been dominated since his run with the Patriots began. And it to me, it comes down to when the Bills went for it on fourth down, it was fourth and short. They did a play action, scored a touchdown to Dawson Knox or almost a touchdown. He was pissed when the Bills did that. He want, I, I think he wants this game so badly, and they are going to throw everything they can at the Bills to try to win this, to try to make up for that. I think it's going to be interesting. I think it was, by the way, so phenomenally delicious to watch Bill Belichick sour on the sidelines after losing to the Vikings and ticked off after getting routed in Orchard Park last year. I feel like there's definitely, um, Jamie, some opportunities. I mean, and the fact that the Patriots are probably going to be without two key members of their offensive line, left guard Isaiah Wynn and center David Andrews are both ruled out uh, for the game. They've been out for a couple weeks now. Um, Cole Strange, uh, who was drafted very high uh, this past spring, will be stepping in at the left guard spot. Um, so, and, and Trent Brown at the left tackle has underperformed after getting a massive contract. So even without Von Miller, I feel like the bills pass rushers will have a good day getting after Mac Jones. And as much as bill Belichick might be motivated for revenge, I still feel the bills are the better team on paper. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that on Thursday night football without Von Miller, being very cautious with Mitch Morris and Deion Dawkins, guys who you need for the stretch run. I say Buffalo has enough. They will pull out the win. I'll go 29-17. Buffalo gets a win on prime time to improve to 9-3 and three on the year. What do you say, sir? 27-24. Buffalo wins this one. A close victory for the Bills. Any... Uh, but of course, Jamie has them getting another one score victory, uh, which is great because all we care about, folks, you know, you want style points. College football is for style right. points. You need to win these games and survive. 
and advance. We want to hear your thoughts. What do you think is going to happen on Thursday night football? Uh, get involved with us on social media. Jamie is at the Jamie D'Amico on Twitter, and I am at John Boccasino. You can also comment on this article on Buffalo rumblings when it drops. Jamie, thanks for bringing the insights and hopefully we'll have another win to uh, discuss as we get ready for a huge. Now the bills have a little mini buy after the game on Thursday night, which is great because in week 14, December 11th, the New York Jets come to town, a huge AFC showdown. Jamie, thanks for bringing it, buddy. Buddy, it was a pleasure listening to your puns all day. (laughs) We aim to please. You can turn to Twitter for more of those pun-pleasing phrases as well. But again, hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving, that you're stuffed on great food and great times with your family. And of course, with Believe, we appreciate you taking some time to hear our podcast here on the Buffalo Rumblings family of podcasts. For Jamie D'Amico, I'm John Boccasino signing off. Go Bills! (laughs) 